Well, it is great to be able to share today as we continue our series on Paul's letter to the Ephesians. Now, last Sunday in Andrew's sermon, he explained that we as a people have been made new by Christ and therefore we are to live to a different standard. God has called us to be one and to make every effort to live in unity. In today's message, Paul moves on to explain that not only have we been called to unity, but we've also been called to live holy and pure lives. The readers of Paul's letter to the Ephesians were Gentiles who had just converted to the Christian faith. They had made the decision to abandon their faith and were now learning how to live out this new life in Jesus. But it seems that they were caught in the middle of both worlds with one foot in each. So Paul makes it clear. He says, they must no longer live as Gentiles and engage in the conversations, the thoughts, the behaviors that are typical of a Gentile lifestyle. Instead, there are three important things that he encourages them to do. Firstly, to renew their mind. Then, to put off the old and to put on the new. And finally, to imitate God, to live as children of light. This morning, we're going to look at how we too can transform and renew our minds. How we put off the old self and put on the new. And how we live as children of light. Now, if you've got your Bibles next to you, turn with me to Ephesians 4 and we'll start from verse 17. So I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity and they are full of greed. That, however, is not the way of life you learned when you heard about Christ and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught, with regard to your former way of life, to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by deceitful desires, and to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbour, for we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry and do not give the devil a foothold. Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with their own hands that they may have something to share with those in need. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as Christ God forgave you. Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love, 
just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But among you, there must not be even a hint of sexual or immorality or of any kind of impurity or of greed, because these are improper for God's holy people. Nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. For of this you can be sure, no immoral, impure or greedy person, such a person is an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of such things God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Therefore do not be partners with them. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light, for the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. It is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible, and everything that is illuminated becomes a light. This is why it is said, wake up sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. The topic Paul is writing about is about the, is about the Gentiles' behaviour and lifestyle. Now, rather than Paul start off by listing out the long list of things that they should and they shouldn't do, he starts off by addressing the problem, the root cause, and it is this, their mind. How they have allowed their minds to be distorted by the world around them that has shaped their lifestyle. Paul sums it up well in Romans when he says, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. See, all actions start off with a thought, and we are to take captive of every thought and make it obedient to Christ. It only takes a small thought to transform us. But as Solomon said, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Now, any historians out there will know that on D-Day, the Allied forces landed on the beach in Normandy. Now, it was critical that they established a foothold on the beach because that was where they were going to stage their attack to bring in more men, to bring in more equipment and to advance into the land. From that tiny foothold, the Allied forces were going to move forward in the hope of liberating France. Now, when Satan puts thoughts into our mind, unlike the Allied forces, he's not trying to liberate us. He is looking to establish a foothold in our minds and take over our thoughts. And often it's in the mind that sin starts. So we need to make good choices and deal with sinful thoughts immediately, not allowing even a moment to go past. If not, the thoughts will take root in our lives and influence our actions. The story of David and Bathsheba starts off with David walking innocently on the rooftop of his palace. But then he sees Bathsheba bathing 
and he allows the thought of what he's seen to linger. Rather than take captive of it, eventually this led him to have an affair and ultimately commit murder. You see, it's good to be accountable to someone for persistent negative or sinful thoughts that we have so that they don't lead us into sinful actions. Now, I was born in Ghana and raised in a Christian environment. My parents, every single day, will make my brother, my sister, and I read the Bible and share what we have read with them. Sunday was church without fail. Now, in my teenage years, I came to boarding school in the UK here, and I felt like I had finally found freedom. I often thought, why should I go to church now? Why should I read my Bible? Why should I wake up on a Sunday morning when all my friends are asleep and walk 30 minutes to church? However, as my parents were in a different country, every Sunday evening, they would always call to check upon how I am, but also to ask about the message that the pastor preached. See, I realized that I never allowed these thoughts to develop in my mind because I was accountable to my parents. And I was so pleased that these thoughts didn't take root because they would have led me down a different path to where I am today. How we act is a natural outcome of what we think. Those two things are inseparable. And that's why Paul starts off by first addressing the mind to teach us about how to change our behavior. You see, God wants to capture our mind and our thoughts so that he can daily and continually renew it through the Holy Spirit. The process of having our mind renewed, which leads to a change in lifestyle, is what we often describe as transformation. And Paul reminds us about how this happens. He says, You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its evil desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. The words putting off and putting on are the same words that Paul uses in his letters when he's describing what happens to us in baptism. You see, baptism is the, the real putting off of ourselves and putting on on Christ. It signifies putting our old life to death and in turn beginning to live in a new way that is compatible with who we are in Christ. And similarly, God wants us as Christians to live differently and turn away from the lifestyle and the patterns of this world. This is an ongoing process, not something that happens at a point in time, but throughout our lives. Now, for many years, whenever I would get home from work, one of the first things I would do is I would go upstairs, take off my suit, my shirt and my tie, and then get changed into my favorite fleece bottoms and those comfortable but slightly worn out slippers. Just the mere act of getting changed helped me to switch off from work mode. But then actually I realized the reverse during lockdown. In the first few weeks of working from home, 
my routine was to wake up, put on those comfortable fleece bottoms and those slippers and head straight for work. But then I realized as I was sat at my desk in, in the house that I wasn't quite as focused as I used to be when I was in the office dressed for work. I was still in my fleece bottoms mindset. Since then, I've started to wake up dressed as if I'm going for work and sit at my desk. What I found is that as I changed that approach, it changed my mindset and I was a lot more focused in what I did because it reminded me of my, of my purpose. Now, the challenge for us is to ask God, what patterns of the world am I following and what do I need to take off? And then to pursue those good things in our lives that God has given to us. In the, in the, in the passage that Paul writes, Paul specifically addresses the matter of purity. See, impure thoughts and things that lead us away from God need to be dealt with ruthlessly. In the story of the true vine, Jesus says, I am the true vine and my father is a gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it is even more fruitful. See, Jesus doesn't just trim off the bad branches, he cuts it off completely. He removes it from the tree because he knows that if it is left there, it can affect how fruitful the tree will become. He also said in a later passage, if your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. If your right arm causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. Now, the language and the meaning of these passages show us just how serious God is about how we deal with sin. God wants us to put off all our sinful ways and put on the life that Jesus died for us to have. And in the second part of the letter, Paul now begins to turn away from the theology about who we are and he begins to give us practical advice about what to do and about what not to do. And in the example of the, of the sins that he lists, an instruction to stop doing something is then balanced by an instruction to start doing something. And this principle is something that we use in different areas of our lives. You may be familiar with um, the performance appraisal system known as 360 degree feedback. 360 degree feedback is a system or a process that companies use where people who work for someone can send in anonymous or confidential feedback to identify a person's strengths and weaknesses. Now included in those sets of questions is a section known as start, stop, continue. In this section, what you do is that you suggest to the person you are providing feedback on, on things that they need to stop, but just as importantly, things that they need to start in order to change. Now, in the last 360 degree feedback I received, one of the many things on the long list of things that I was told to stop 
was second-guessing myself and then to start speaking out more. And now whenever I speak out, I'm always second-guessing myself. Changes only happen when we stop the old and begin to focus on the new. And so instead of stealing, Paul says, we are to work and we are to give. Instead of using our mouth, we are to use it for good. Instead of being unkind or bitter, we are to be kind and loving. Now, having said all of this, why is the way we live as Christians so important to God? What is our motivation to live as God instructs? Anyone who leads people or who has been involved in any form of change management knows the power of making sure that people understand why we are asking them to change. When employers are trying to attract talent and when they are trying to get you to work for them, they offer incentives like higher salaries, extra holidays, medical care. And all these incentives are important, but they are external. The best leaders and the best companies are those who, in addition to these external benefits, also give the people who work for them a reason of why what they do is important. Because once we understand, motivation comes from within. And Paul in this letter tells us this in chapter five, verse one. He says, imitate God therefore in everything that you do because you are his dear children. See, God has chosen us and adopted us into his family. We are children of God. And those of you who have children will know that children by nature are copycats. They copy the people around them. It is just instinctive. And as children created by God and made in his image, we are also to copy him. It should be a natural outcome of everything that we do that it reflects our father. And so just as he's holy, we are to be holy. Just as he's kind, we are also to be kind. And just as he's light, we are also to be light. And as Christians, the story of our lives and what we have looked at so far in this passage is that we were once in darkness, but Jesus saved us. Each day we are being transformed and renewed in our minds to be more and more like him. And part of the transformation process is putting off the old and putting on the new with its new beliefs and attitudes. And we do this because we are children of God. I want to conclude by looking at one last instruction from Paul. And he says this, Now that we are light in the Lord, live as children of light. Notice that Paul doesn't say, now that we are in the light. You see, God changed us so that we ourselves are light. We live out who we are and what we believe before a watching world. Our lives are always on display and we set an example. How we live is also part of the way that we share the message of Jesus to the world. But the other aspect of this is that our lives also bring light into places of darkness 
and positively expose things that are wrong. We show it up for what it really is. Now, speaking up against something is something that I sometimes find challenging, if I'm honest. We are afraid to offend. Speaking out takes challenge and takes courage. But in these circumstances, I often find myself asking God for wisdom in terms of what to do and what to say and how to approach it. And I suggest that we also do the same. Because as people of light, we can't help it. Because light, by its nature, exposes. And when we expose things that are wrong, two things happen. First, the thing that we have exposed becomes visible. On the 25th of May, a bystander witnessed the inhumane treatment of another human being. They were shocked by what they witnessed. And through the power of social media, they exposed the abuse of power and the sad reality that racism still exists today. In a matter of days, millions of people all around the world joined forces to declare that black lives matter. Now, as a black person, this was real to me. My wife, Lucy, who is white and Welsh, we had long conversations about this topic and also the impact of this to our two young boys. My dad shared his, his experience as a black person living and working in Europe. Now, in my own life, I've experienced racism, but I was always taught to just rise above it and carry on doing what I was doing. However, as I saw what was happening, as I listened and talked with friends and colleagues who had faced overt racism in its ugliest forms, I realized that it wasn't enough to be silent. I had to use my voice and be an agent for change. And this wasn't only because I was black, but because I am also a Christian. The result of one person shining the light on racism has made it visible and even more topical again. And it's causing the world to stand up taller and be visibly anti-racist. Now, here at King's, we've been talking as an eldership about the issue of race over the last few months. We'll continue to preach on it. We'll continue to educate ourselves and each other, but we'll also make sure that we listen well and we make changes where we need to. Light makes darkness visible. But there is a second and final stage when light makes something visible. Paul, Paul here suggests that light transforms what it shines on into light itself. In other words, it is possible that when we live as children of light, we don't just stop people doing things that are wrong, but they can also be changed themselves. Exposing something always sounds negative because it is showing people for what they truly are. But the light of God which exposes has a positive evangelistic power too. Because as our light shines, we turn the thing that we shine upon into light, bringing hope and people to their faith in Jesus.
If there has ever been a time for us to be carriers of hope and light, now is the time. The last seven months for many people have been dark times. We have either experienced it ourselves or know people who have suffered in their health, who have lost loved ones, who have lost their jobs, and who may have found themselves disconnected from the community they once enjoyed. This week, we heard the announcement that a vaccine is soon on its way. But even despite that, the future still looks uncertain and people are anxious of what the next few months will look like. That's why this year, as a church, our Christmas theme will again be light of the world. There is hope in Jesus. He is the light of the world and our desire should be to spread this hope and tell the world about him. So in closing, let me read verse eight and 10 again. For you were once in darkness, but now you are in light. Live as children of light and find out what pleases the Lord. Amen.